right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of From Everywhere. This week, I'm super excited to have our guest. Our guest, like myself, is also Maris alumni, and I'm super excited to have Taylor Harris on this week. Taylor, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I think what you're doing is super awesome just to kind of listen in to sustainability topics that you have. So thank you for having me. (laughs) Oh, of course. Happy to have you. (laughs) Well, my name is Taylor Harrison. I'm the founder designer behind Olive and Oats Hawaii. And it's a children's wear label focusing on the use of natural fibers and natural dyes and is all handmade on Maui. That is amazing. And just for anyone listening, I'm going to include Taylor's Etsy shop or her Instagram and just all of her information in the description below. So you guys can check it out very easily. But so while we get started today, Taylor, why did you decide to focus on creating a brand that centers around sustainable dyes and sustainable fabrics and practices and everything? Sure. So my personal journey with sustainability kind of, um, I would say started young. I think being born and raised on an island, you're a little bit more resourceful and Mm -hmm. eco-minded. But at the same time, you're kind of like in this bubble. So I really didn't get like an understanding of it until I went to college at Marist. Um, And that's kind of when I was introduced to like news clips on um, like the True Cost, um, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, the Rana Plaza Collapse, those sorts of social issues. Mm -hmm. Um, that encompass sustainability. But going back to the question, I really wanted to focus on the sustainable materials because I saw an importance in them and the need for them in the children's wear market. Um, Mm -hmm. I personally gravitate towards natural materials. So like I love linen and cotton pieces and natural dyes were something that I had first experimented with in college for a project. So um, that's kind of where I got my introduction to natural dyes. Um, And I revisited that. So like I was going through old stuff um, a couple months ago and I found a book of swatches where I had done like I did like red dye, cherries. I had like turmeric in there and I even did Tabasco because I literally just grabbed anything in my kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really enjoy that that like sciencey part of like measuring things out, figuring out um, what works with what fibers. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of just the things that I love incorporated into a brand. That's awesome. And I actually love what you said about growing up um, eco-minded. I love mm-hmm. that because I do feel like by you you and just anyone choosing to devote you know, your time and your energy into your brand surrounding sustainable dyes and fabrics, it is a, like, um, I don't want to say a peace of mind, but it does play into the mindset and I just love what you said and I think it's perfect and being that you use your natural dyes and your more sustainable fabrics I think it's great especially for kids being that you said cotton and linen because kids are always running around I'll speak for my nephew and it's great (laughs) that you are giving them simple light clothes for them to constantly you know do a lot of things and move around whether it's playing outside or just going anywhere I think it's very um sensible and practical Mm -hmm. for the clothes while also being in my personal opinion very cute and fashionable yeah well and I also try to take the parents into consideration too like I know Mm -hmm. they're busy running around after their kids and 
they need something that's like easy to wash they can throw on the clothesline and let it let it air dry type of thing so and I think also (laughs) oh no absolutely and speak and having a two-year-old nephew myself I think that keeping in mind the parents is very smart and a great move because you are not subjecting them to anything harmful Mm -hmm. in terms of either the fabric that you use or the dyeing method that you use. Yeah. And I think that that's obviously their first pair of any parents first priority, but you know, being that you do use natural dyes when creating um, any of your scrunchies or your clothing products, can you walk us through that process that you use? Sure. So whenever I begin a dye batch, I start with scouring the materials. So this is kind of a process that strips the material of any finishes that it may have had through production, um, as well as like dirt or any other particles like that, Um, Mm. because it can alter color in the dye stage. So I try to clean it out before then. So what goes into that is you basically just bring a pot of water to boil. And I personally just add washing soda, which is just like a detergent almost. Oh, okay. Um, you kind of just let it sit there for a couple of hours. Okay. Um, and then I go into a mordanting stage. And I like to look at mordants as like a primer for the dye. Okay. So it helps with light fast and wash fast. And there's tons of mordants that a lot of natural dyers use. Um, mm-hmm. To name a few, there's like alum, aluminum acetate, iron. And I've even seen some people use soy milk. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Know. That's very interesting. I, I actually found that out a few months ago. So I thought that was interesting because this woman had made her own soy milk and then used it to mordant, which was awesome. Amazing. Um, but yeah, so the, the mordanting stage really just depends on what fibers you're using. Cellulosic, meaning it's plant derived, um, mm. which are most of the fibers that I work with will react differently um, and take dye differently than protein fibers, which are found from animals. So like wool and silk. Right. Um, And then after the fabric is mordanted, I go in with the dyes. And for that stage, I kind of just eyeball it. I let it sit for however long you think. I check on the color every every couple of hours. Mm -hmm. Um, But for olive and oats, I've worked with onion skins, avocado stones and peels, um, Osage orange, black beans and cochineal. Um, But yeah, using food waste is a great way to give part of your food a second life so for me my grandparents own a bed and breakfast and we always have like a plethora of onion skins and avocado peels so oh that's amazing yeah I have that to to use to dye (laughs) well that sounds like a very it's a very hands-on process is what it sounds like and it is (laughs) going through just me speaking about going through your Instagram you're very very open about you know how you do things Mm-hmm. the way in which you do things you really document everything which I think is great because I think that you make people like understand that they can do it too or mm-hmm. it's a really interesting process to learn about but I didn't know that much about it I would say until recently but the process in general of just using more natural dyes and practices and everything and yeah. just you know doing some research this the process of using food and just more natural waste was how it how the dying process was and I think neo in the neolithic times and it's mm-hmm. interesting that we're really circling back it is um there is this instagram account called matter home and they really like 
show the entire process of how to die with different things like I don't know like rotten berries I think they had on one of their things on one of their Instagram reels so Mm -hmm. I think being really resourceful with what you have already is is super important to the process as well I completely agree with that and I think that by choosing to do food waste it's really bringing a new or a different meaning I would say to the word sustainable because mm-hmm. there's a lot of different areas of sustainability, but I think, and a large part of it is defined by food, mm-hmm. but it's just maybe not in those certain ways that people think it's about, they say, don't try not to waste as much food, but by you being so open about your process or, and even just creating your brand in general and creating the products for these kids and family members you can be sustainable in all these ways. And then you're also showing people how to do it. And I think in sustainable or if in sustainability, or when you say, you know, natural dyes, some person may not understand what that means. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're doing a really good job of allowing people to understand and allowing people to see what your process is. And I think that really plays into as well. People, being able to believe in what they're purchasing and believe in what they're investing in. Absolutely. I think it's also like what I want the brand to be is like really just community minded. So like being able to share that process with people. If I've had a few people ask me like in, in the DMS and stuff, like how do you dye with coffee? And I like, I'm able to give pointers and stuff Mm -hmm. Um, with natural dyes. It's, it's kind of hard because you can't have like a set, recipe or like something because it just always comes out differently um each time which also just adds to the uniqueness of each product so that's something that I really love about it yes I noticed that you said when you go through the process of adding the ingredients and then putting the fabric in you said that you just you know play it by ear you constantly Mm -hmm. check on it Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that's really cool too because there isn't it is there is the science part of it about measuring it out and understanding how each fabric will react to it. But also, like you said, each piece is completely unique because the color, although it will turn out probably 99% the exact same, but there is that Mm -hmm. 1% chance that it may be a little lighter on one piece Mm -hmm. or darker on another. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty different um, compared to like synthetic dyes in that sense. Um, Right, which I don't think I knew that much about the synthetic dyeing process either, to be completely transparent. But do you think, I think this is a really good segue, you know, the synthetic dyes used in clothing around the world and really every different part of fashion, um, Mm -hmm. a large part of what we hear about right now is fast fashion and the waste that's produced from it. So do you think that, the mass production happening, I think, especially right now in the fashion industry really would equate to the mass pollution of the synthetic dyes. Yeah, I think mass production in the industry is is a problem all around. Um, But speaking specifically on the dyes, the use of synthetic dyes on a mass scale is harmful, not only to the environments, but the workers who deal with them firsthand. Runoff from the production ends up in their local waterways, affecting already limited fresh water sources. And then those large dye vats that workers inhale 
you know, chem- they inhale chemicals on a daily basis. And um, those chemicals can include things like uh, mercury or lead. Um, and we all know that <laughs> prolonged exposure to that, those kinds of chemicals like lead to, um, can lead to death or and, and just in general, extremely toxic to humans. <laughs> um, to be completely honest, I didn't really think about the aspect of it. Obviously, this is very true, but mm-hmm. the constant exposure to the dyes on behalf mm-hmm. of the workers part was something that I really didn't think about before until you said it. <laughs> and it's- yeah, I, I feel like it's it's a part that's overlooked because, uh, well, within the fashion industry overlooked because I think what's shown on like news reports and stuff is really just the sweatshops in general, of the workers working overtime to sew all these garments. But there's things like um, indigo dyeing for your denim that like the, right. that permanently stains, you know, the workers hands because they're working with it so frequently. I overlooked it. Um, I mm-hmm. think that's a great word to use over. It is often overlooked. I will take full responsibility and ownership of that now. No, I because you know you, I'm in the same boat with you until you I, think of I, the exposure of yourself and mm-hmm. um, you being around the harmful chemicals of it, but the workers especially, mm-hmm. and it's just really a shame that there's not only such an excess amount of waste in regard to the fabric usage, but also which plays into it, obviously, the synthetic dye usage. Doing research, I saw that there are about over 3,600 individual textile dyes constantly being manufactured in the fashion industry today. And then with the dyes, there's more than 8,000 chemicals along Mm -hmm. with that. It's, It's pretty intense, like how much goes into just making a simple dye for your clothing. I didn't realize it was that high though. (laughs) Right. And you know, whether it's fabric dye or yarn dyed, and I speaking on this learning that um, Mm -hmm. the difference in school and in the different classes that I took, but it's the dyes that are being used in the clothing. But then as you had mentioned before, it's also being used and polluting the water system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about five, I think it was 5.9 trillion liters of water used for dyeing fabric and material alone per year. Um, and, you know, like after a dye bath is completed, all they do is just dump it out. And then that's that. Um, right. And that's, I think, a whole nother discussion is the amount of water used. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that, you know, a couple hundred gallons of water used I think for just a simple pair of jeans Mm -hmm. but when you have all the water being and then it just goes into every different thing whether it's you know irrigation systems Mm -hmm. or you mentioned local waterways it's just it really affects it affects the person wearing it as well as the aftermath of the product I mean, you dye a product, you dye fabric, you dye the yarn, and then the water is gone. And I think that's almost an afterthought. 
Yeah, for sure. I think when we talk about chemicals, I feel like the fashion industry is is probably one of the last that comes to mind when you're just like speaking freely about it with someone. I think mm-hmm. when people think of chemicals, they're like, oh, cleaning products or um, whatever is going into like canned foods or that sort of thing. But really, chemicals kind of help the fashion industry go around. It's not just limited to the dyes. Like you said, it it goes into like the fertilizer, the pesticides used for the fiber crops. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of there's a huge push for the use of these like certified organic natural fibers because they're cultivated without the use of persistent pesticides and those synthetic fertilizers. I'm looking at something that says the World Bank estimates that 17 to 20% of the industrial water pollution comes from textile dyeing and finishing treatment given to fabric. That's an extremely large percentage. Mm -hmm. Just due to just thinking um, large scale, that's an extremely large percentage Mm-hmm. And just due to the fact that it's all from the textile dyeing and finishing treatment of fabric is really, um, I would say, disturbing in a way. That fact alone was on an industrial scale. It's hard to imagine um, how would that change start in changing the process of the synthetic dyes. Yeah, I think for brands, I've seen a, a shift, especially with COVID, because I don't think a lot of people are selling as much as they're used to pre-COVID, but I think a lot of brands and companies are looking to produce on a more smaller scale. So I think that mm-hmm. helps a lot with the amount of waste and and chemicals products being used to produce these items. Yeah, I was starting to think the same thing. Um, I think, you know, COVID in that respect has allowed people to change their perspective Mm -hmm. because they understand that, you know, scaling back on the production or changing buying habits or changing the consumer mindsets, it all plays into, you know, what the outcome of these brands are. And there are a lot Mm -hmm. of fast fashion brands. I thought there was a point where, the direction was changing and I think now with the trend, you know, of social media, it's a double-edged sword in my opinions, because a lot of what I'm seeing right now is the continued encouragement of fast fashion brands. But I do also mm-hmm. think throughout the last year, small businesses have been able to prosper because of social media. Absolutely. Going off of that. Yeah. Like, I've seen so many like TikTok small businesses explode from Mm -hmm. just literally putting out one video. Um, But yeah, like what you said, I think there, there's also with that a lot of trends of like, look at my $400 Shein haul. And, you Mm -hmm. know, people are still supporting these very cheap, not sustainable fashion brands. And there's no other word for other. It's it's sad to see, you know, no, it is. And I, a lot of that has to do with the consumer mindset and -hmm. how it changes. I would, I've always been a fan of supporting small, but I think definitely, I say this very confidently throughout the last year, I have really appreciated so much more the impact that small businesses have. 
-hmm. how much more meaningful it is to support them. So something like buying your scrunchie that I have, (laughs) I feel so much better buying it from you. And for anyone listening, I would highly encourage it because it's an awesome scrunchie, (laughs) but it's, you know, the fact that you created it, dyeing it with black beans using the leftover fabric scraps you're not adding to the problem that's happening Mm -hmm. I think you're allowing either things to stay you know not take that next step forward in a negative way but you're almost allowing things to go backwards a little bit yeah I I knew that when I had started this brand if I were to do it I really wanted to be as sustainable as possible so like you Mm -hmm. said the scrunchie was made from leftover scraps that I had um I make my own main hang tags from recycled pattern paper um and and these processes like even the dyeing part too it it take it does take time Mm -hmm. but it makes me feel better knowing that I'm not just adding to our landfill here and um that I'm able to reuse these products to make something new so it's very important to me when I'm starting the business well I think that's great and I I hope others continue to or adapt Mm -hmm. your viewpoint on it we're a little bit more uh eco-minded um in the sense Mm -hmm. that we have passed bills like um we have like no plastic bags here. So there's only paper bags unless you bring your reusable bags. Um, they just passed a bill, I believe last month, later this month, where they're banning single use plastic utensils and straws um, and cups. So we are switching over to um, like the eco made. I think they're made from like cornstarch utensils. So mm-hmm. um, I think those kinds of things where where you're living in an eco-minded community it Mm -hmm. definitely helps with making those lifestyle changes and having and making it an easier switch I think is what I'm trying to say (laughs) no totally and I understand what you're saying and I guess piggybacking off of what you said um about living in that environment and I do has as you had mentioned with the plastic bags um, being banned and just different things being adapted more frequently, we do see this trend of sustainability being adapted by different existing brands or brands coming out such as yours. That is Mm -hmm. a completely sustainable one in regards to the fabric and the dyes. Do you see that as a trend continuing yeah I mean I hope that it's not a trend and it just becomes a norm but um I think especially in Hawaii I think there's a lot of brands here like small businesses that already have certain things like that implemented like um there's a lot of upcycled brands here most of the brands here also use like compostable mailers so Mm -hmm. it's not only encompassing just like the product itself and making that sustainable but everything that surrounds it. So when it comes to like the packaging, um, how are you mailing these out? Um, You know, Mm. that sort of thing. But I do see it becoming more of a norm. I really hope so. Mm -hmm. I hope so. I I think (laughs) I, I know that it's not 
just going to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. But I think the developing exposure with brands such as yours, you're able to um, make a positive addition to that quote unquote growing community that I had mentioned Um, by just using, I think it's one thing, you know, you use sustainable fabrics, but then to compound on top of that with the sustainable dyes is just a whole new meaning and a whole new definition of a brand. And especially in regards to kids clothing, Mm -hmm. I think that's wonderful. Um, Not exposing kids to harmful things, but you know, you said you had moved back at the beginning of the pandemic and working in the fashion industry, obviously you've seen a lot of different things dealing with production and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So did it take you a long time to really, you'd mentioned there's trial and error and constantly Mm -hmm. figuring things out. Did it take you a long time to really learn the method behind everything I would say? Um, Method as in like in regards to sustainability Yes, and you're, and the difference between using natural dyes and synthetic dyes. Yeah, so um, when I was actually in school, I was kind of blessed to get an internship with Mara Hoffman, and um, I know that, like, when I was there, she was still in the process of switching over to sustainability, uh, more sustainable products, so um she was looking into where her fabrics were made. I believe that a lot of them are done domestically now, which is awesome. Um, but she really made a full transition. Um, and that was like incredible to see. Um, so I kind of had some sort of knowledge from that, mm-hmm. but I didn't really, I guess, have a drive for that type of lifestyle until I would say the pandemic hit. I think it really made me reflect on the corporate fashion jobs that I was working for. Um, You know, like each season we're designing products that are produced 500,000 units at a time. I don't think I really took the time to just sit and like reflect on what damage was being done with that type of production level. Um, I, I would say it's very hard to I love Mara Hoffman personally (laughs) I I love (laughs) as a woman and also as her her as a woman and her brand but Mm -hmm. I do it's very I think it's very useful for you to have that experience and to be able to see that that's incredible Mm -hmm. because it's I do think it's hard and a part of sustainability is people may not be really educated on it. And for you to have that firsthand experience to see what it takes for a company to completely transition or just adapt as time goes on Mm -hmm. is really hard. And I think you can definitely have an advantage of just starting your company ground up working sustainably. It's definitely an advantage because I I remember her actually releasing, like Mara Hoffman releasing, um, she did an interview with someone, I can't remember who who put it out, but she had mentioned something to the effect that she was worried about transitioning to this this completely 
um, different brand than what she was used to. You know, she was used to putting out these like very exotic, brightly colored prints, which she still kind of does. Like there's hints of Mm -hmm. it here and there, but it's nothing like she used to do before. Um, And she was nervous about losing her customer base and all of that. And I'm sure she lost a few. Um, But really what came about was these more conscious consumers. And I think that is more important than losing a few customers that don't, you know, like your style now. I think um, brands like hers and, and, you know, like Eileen Fisher, those, Mm -hmm. those people are like really the forefront of sustainability in the fashion industry and and promoting those, um, those pieces to attract those customers. Right. And I think that's a really good and interesting point to bring up because I think you have, or you can have two different companies. You can have a brand like Eileen Fisher or Mara Hoffman Mm -hmm. that is that more high-end company that's also being sustainable as long as well as, you know, Stella McCartney. But then you do have a brand that's not, and I don't mean this in any negative way, not as high-end, but sustainable and I think that it's the industry uh, does need a very big shift but I think it's doing a very good job at appealing to a lot of different audiences absolutely yeah I I mean I've also seen like I think this within this past week like American Eagle just put out a um they have a denim piece that incorporates cotton or hemp content which is it's nice to see and there's Mm -hmm. like little things here and there that these more fast fashion brands are implementing so yeah yeah no I I agree with that and I think seeing brands such as American Eagle which is known pretty much worldwide if I'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. I think it's a global brand yeah and you have a brand such as that or you have you know the girlfriend collective and you have Mara Hoffman, and then you do have smaller businesses such as yours giving – you don't really give people an excuse not to shop sustainably. Mm-hmm. The option is there. I think it's just getting people to utilize it and to shift their mindset and their viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So you have these big mass retailers. I'll speak in regards to kids – producing all of these clothes and you know people are just used to buying from them whatever brand that may be or style that may be mm-hmm. but then you do have a brand like yours offering a safe product which is top priority number one no doubt or giving people this product that's safe for their kids and very fashionable <laughs> I think you're doing a really good job at giving people the option And I know that based off of, you know, my sister who cares so deeply about what her son is exposed to and wanting to just completely surround him with the healthiest thing. I think that's really a reason why I love your brand so much, speaking from a very personal point of view. Thank you. (laughs) That's so sweet. But yeah, I think the transparency between brands and their consumers is super important nowadays and, and allowing those, um, allowing to put, or sorry, putting out the information for those consumers to be able to change their mindsets. I think, um, 
consumers are definitely more educated because we have all the information available to us, like through our phones or computers. Mm-hmm. We're also definitely not afraid to speak up um, and call those companies out. You know, we want to have the best oh. products out there for ourselves, for our families. Um, we want those healthier, cleaner al- product um, alternatives, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to our kids too, like going off of what you were saying about your um, your sister. Mm-hmm. So do you think that's why you chose to be so transparent upfront about the processes that you use? I think so. I think it also, it just, it just helps the consumer make a better buying decision for mm-hmm. themselves. Um, so yeah, I think it's always good for a brand to share as much as possible um, mm-hmm. what goes into their process of making things or you know, producing. Oh yeah. I mean, you make me feel like I can do it. I was showing my dad who is, I was showing my dad who's probably the last person on, um, or like he, he was like, wow, that's really cool. And he was really interested in it or knowing that I'm wearing a scrunchie that's made from black beans, being really informed on it and seeing you do it is just really again, I'll speak personally, very enticing in terms of purchasing (laughs) and supporting. Yeah. Well, I think too, like, I mean, going off of our social media talk too, it's like, that's kind of the trend right now. Like on TikTok, everyone loves to see the whole process. Everyone wants to know Mm -hmm. how you make it and, and they like to see like the final product in the end. So I think that also kind of helps too. So. Oh, completely. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. It does. And like you said, it's a really big point of discussion. It's really interesting for people to see how things go from just the very start day one Mm -hmm. to the finished product. And I think that's good in retrospect of allowing people to be more conscious, whether they actively act upon supporting a different brand, a more sustainable brand, if you will. Mm-hmm. But I do think that's a very positive move in the right direction. Absolutely. And it's it's also up to the consumer, consumer too. Like what they find is is sustainable for them might not be, might not work out for another person. It really varies. I think mm-hmm. um, something that we always, like in my family, we always talk about is like my mom hates paper straws. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many alternatives out there. Like there's those metal ones, there's glass ones, you know, you don't always have to stick mm-hmm. to what works for someone else. I think you said it very wonderfully in a sense where just because something works for someone doesn't mean it has to work for someone else, but Mm -hmm. exposing everyone to the different options, I think is where it all starts. And, you know, I do personally see a shift in certain ways in the consumer mindset regarding purchasing habits I mentioned this a little bit before but you know you have TikTok which is huge right now and it really just exploded Mm -hmm. over the course of the pandemic it really did (laughs) so I think in a in a negative way did bring light and trends from like hauls from fast fashion companies are trending but also it does allow people to really get a true glimpse into the behind the scenes process of a Mm -hmm. lot of businesses 
or just social media in general, not specifically TikTok. But I do think people are starting to really pay attention and be aware of how they're clothing clothing products, you know, whether it be beauty or cleaning products or just clothing in general affects them. At least mm-hmm. I hope. I do believe that's what I'm seeing, but maybe that could be me being hopeful. So do you think that there is a reason that, I mean, I spoke from my point of view of seeing this shift, but if this shift is happening, do you think there's like a reason for it? And do you think it would continue? Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to what I had said before. Like, we just have so much information available to us now that Mm. there's really just no excuse for not being uh, aware of environmental impacts or um, purchases that you're making. I think overall, consumers um, will continue to be more aware and they'll continue to educate themselves of those environmental and and social impacts um, Mm. that their purchases make. But it, like... I said before, it really just depends on that individual willing to make that conscious effort. Um, Another topic that we always talk about, especially like for children, it's, um, you know, parents want those healthy and cleaner alternatives, but, Mm. um, you know, such as like want cleaner food choices or one parent might want to use like reusable diapers and that just Mm. might not work for someone but they might be using like reusable wipes or something you know Mm -hmm. it all really just depends on where your priorities lay and and what efforts you're willing to make within your lifestyle that you have now I I agree with that and you feel Mm -hmm. I'll speak from uh maybe from you starting your brand from that time period do you feel like you have a responsibility to share with your followers or uh, anyone who knows your brand, do you feel like you have a responsibility to share different businesses and information to them in regards to sustainability? That's an awesome question. I think that as a business owner, I obviously have to look out for my business and I Mm -hmm. have to share um, what I can to make, uh, to allow consumers to make that educated buying decision Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I want to be able to put that stuff out, um, always try to promote like those local businesses or businesses that I see, um, potential in, in regards to sustainability. Like I'll always promote that because I think it's really important to share, uh, those products and those businesses with others. So, yeah, I think it's a really interesting viewpoint coming from you being, Um, an entrepreneur and starting your own brand because I definitely think you have a different you're allowed to have a different perspective of it because all the information out there is or you're putting out there at least in the large majority of it is about your brand and like you had said allowing people to really make an informed decision Mm -hmm. and I think that you know knowledge is power and I feel like speaking from a consumer point of view I also uh, feel the need to share, you know, whether it's ban- brands I'm buying from or mm-hmm. points of view or facts that I'm learning, allowing people to make a better informed decision from the consumer perspective. Yeah. I, I like, like you said, I think it's, it's products that you use and you, 
that you personally enjoy, like you want to mm-hmm. be able to share that with the world. Um, and I've, I mean, I've had like mutual promotions too. So that's mm-hmm. always nice to see that people like believe in my product as much as I believe in theirs. So it's, it's nice to see that, especially within the local business realm. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I'll just take the last second here to recommend that everyone buys from Taylor's Etsy shop because just knowing that you're supporting a good business, I think it means a lot. And from, I don't know if this could be considered a selfish perspective on my part, but I do feel a lot better knowing that I'm supporting a smaller business rather than, you know, this mass large scale consumer and just having, knowing that my scrunchie, was dyed with black beans. I feel <laughs> honestly, 100% seriously, a lot cooler knowing that I'm wearing this really unique, completely unique product walking around. So I think if that's not an incentive to people to, you know, shop small and to shop your brand specifically, then I'm not really sure what is. <laughs> thank you so much but thank you so much Taylor for taking the time to come on here and really educate people about not only your process and why you decided to create Olive and Oats Hawaii but educating them on what goes into creating all of the fashion that's constantly being produced right now and the harmful effects that synthetic dyes have on the environment Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. It was nice to chit chat about this topic that I think we're both passionate about. So, Absolutely. I loved it. And like I mentioned, I'll include all of Taylor's Instagram information and her Etsy shop um, in the description below. So everyone can go and check that out. But I really appreciated you coming on here, Taylor, because I learned a lot. And I hope that equal amounts. (laughs) I hope that everyone listening um, learned something and I'm sure that they will. (laughs) 